to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition, Episode 26, and I'm your host, Michael T.Y.P. Cole. Um, no. We're not. No, no I'm Close. Jonathan Metz, but I am your host today, and Michael T.Y.P. Cole is my guest. <gasps> what the heck does that roll, mean? Roll reversal. Oh. That's right. It means I'm wearing the pants tonight. And uh, by that you mean that uh, I don't know what the games are this week. Fact, That's right. Uh, I'm completely in the dark. I, I mean, he's chosen all these games by himself. And uh, actually, you may hear songs that we've chosen before because I really didn't give him any direction to avoid games we've already played. So I'm really in the dark. A game yeah. he's already picked could be a game that I've played in the past. I have no idea. There and, is uh, a list on the website, but I didn't take time to cross-reference yeah, with I, it. I so, so These are games that... The, these games, the theme I would say tonight are games that I like, but th- that are not like completely obvious, and also games that I think TYP may be familiar with, but <laughs> might be difficult for him. So I didn't want to pick like really obscure stuff that I knew he probably had never played before, right? But I didn't want to make it really easy either. Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't played all that many games in my life, so uh, my experience is somewhat limited. Although I've played a lot of radio trivia songs. <laughs> in the last mm. five or six years, so so I think I'll predict that I'll get one or two games at least, but the others are going to like evade me. But I've like I've heard this before or something like that. So that's my prediction I, for the evening. I will confess, I'll exclude one game from the proceedings tonight. It's a game that I really wanted to to do, but I couldn't find any music for it, and that's Excite Truck. <laughs> I will but, I'll avoid what I would have called that, but um, you probably would have gotten it. Um, but I just thought it would have been really funny to play it on Radio Trivia because the game has completely god awful music. <laughs> and uh, I, I've heard worse <laughs> on this show, maybe not podcast uh, edition, but uh... yeah, I've heard worse. But it's still it's <laughs> really 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 bad. Um, anyway, none of the games tonight are Excite Truck, but there's some good stuff. So actually, the the way we've done this is highly circuitous. Um, we had some problems with me. Um, running the sound from my computer and so what I did was I took all the sound files and converted them all into mp3 from their various bizarre formats and then uh, stripped all of the tag the info tag info out of the uh, mp3s and gave them very generic uh, file names that only indicate what order they should be played so TYP is actually running the music from his computer um, and even then, he doesn't know what they are. Yeah. And he hasn't even listened to them All yet. I know are, are the song's lengths, which doesn't really help That's me right. too much. No, it doesn't. And he only got the music like 30 seconds before we started recording. So he, this really is a mystery for him, even though technically he's playing the music that he's going to be guessing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a strange setup we have tonight, and trust me, it, it was time-consuming. But this is the only way we could get it to yeah. work. So let's get, let's get started. Okie dokie. Right. Game one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like to start with a short let's, one. Uh, let's go on to the next song. Yeah.
What's the question, Johnny? <laughs> I mean, I know it, I, I know you know what it is, but you know, I usually start with a easy game, and then it'll get much harder from here. Uh, the question. <laughs> I love this question. What is the password to skip to the end of this game? Ooh, I'm not going to use game facts or anything like that because that'd be cheating. Well, I'm not yeah. going to. It would violate the spirit of yeah. the question, as I will explain after the last yeah. song. game is clearly Punch-Out for the NES, um, yes. or Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. I, I only own the Punch-Out version without Mike Tyson's name on it. Featuring Mr. The, Dream! The music is the same. Uh, That's right. The music is the same, and so is the password. I check. I confess, I have beaten the game before, once or twice. I do not know the password for it. Um, okay. So... Well, it's it's one of those things that like no one should remember it, but people do anyway. So the password is zero zero seven three seven three five nine six three. Yeah. And normally I would never ask a question like this, but I'm continually amazed over and over and over again as I see people come to my house <laughs> and we turn on the Wii and they say, "Oh yeah. look, Punch Out! I haven't played that in twenty years." And they turn it on, and immediately they put in this crazy password from their childhood, and they go and fight Mr. Dream, and they get their asses kicked right off the bat. But it's one of those things that this this sequence of numbers seems to have embedded itself in people's brains, and it just blows me away that people actually remember this after all the years. So. Yeah, I certainly don't. I, I played it like a normal person and, and was stumped forever. I mean, the, this game is near and dear to my heart. I played it when I was over at Johnny's, and uh, it's always good for, for a romp. <laughs> And, um, but, I don't know, I'm just, I guess I'm just not very good at the game. At one point I was able to beat it, but it was kind of a tooth and nail, I was on, you know, best of my game of the day or something, because I certainly can't repeat it with a lot of frequency. It's a, it's a crazy difficult game. It, it, is, sure. it is, but it's, it has a really nice charm to it, being, you know, stereotype boxing. Um, yeah. And, uh... I don't know how Nintendo could do it any better than how they did it. And yes, I never played the Super Nintendo version, but um, I didn't either. I'd like to. I mean, it seems like it would be good. Yeah, but I mean, it seems like they should have at least like released. They should release it as like a WiiWare. Like, even if the graphics are exactly the same, they just have like motion controls. You know, add an extra dollar. I mean, it makes sense, man. Um, no, I think it's the kind of thing that lends itself very well to WiiWare, but not a, not a 2D version, but like a real 3D version mm -hmm. with Wii kind of graphics. Yeah. I mean, Wii, Wii Boxing and Wii Sports is... Yes. No. The the controls show a lot of potential, I think, but the gameplay just isn't there. Um, but I think, yeah, they could. They really should do another one. Punch-Out! is one of those series like Kid Icarus that really needs to be brought back from the dead, except unlike Kid Icarus, it actually deserves <laughs> it. I agree with you, Johnny. I do not like yeah. Kid Icarus either. Um, yeah. And and actually, EA has announced some kind of crazy stereotype arcade boxing. Oh, Nintendo! Um, that will come to Wii and a few other ones. Do you remember? No, the name? I don't. I remember I don't reading either, about it. But, yeah. You know, it's EA. Who knows? But uh, at least someone's still interested in doing this kind of thing. 
So anyway, that's Punch Out, and uh, we should move on to the next game. I wonder what it is. I really do. I know. <laughs> I know you do. You wonder, and I know. idea, but I'm certainly not going to say it right now. question, Johnny. Well, I don't know if this will probably confuse you more than anything. Uh, what first-party Wii game, that's a Wii game from that Nintendo made, has a similar mechanic to this game? Ooh. Oh, that throws me off. Yeah. Um, next, uh, next song. <laughs> initial thoughts and hope that my the question was just really throwing me off uh, I think it's a game I've maybe played like five minutes of and my eyes burned really badly um, <laughs> I think it's a Virtual Boy game and I think it's Wario Land for the Virtual Boy but I've only played five minutes of that game ding 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 I got it? yes <laughs> you got it. I, awesome. I mean I'm impressed and at the same time I knew you'd have a good chance of getting it because it is Wario. It, it does have the same stylings as the Wario Land songs for the Game Boy. Yeah. So that the, I think the audio quality of these songs is strange. It doesn't really sound like Game Boy or Game Boy Advance or anything else. It's, cl- it's close to Game Boy, but yeah, I, I think that it's slightly richer than most Game Boy games, but yes, but not much. It, um, yeah, and that's a clue. For, that it's that it's a Virtual Boy game, but I mean, I would never get this in a million years. 
Um, but you know, I knowing that knowing your familiarity with the Wario games, I thought you had a good chance of getting it. I think we may have used the game in in the past. I don't remember when. I don't think we use it for podcasts. Well, I have to thank Aaron um, for giving me the music for this. Ah. Um, I have no idea why he would have such a thing on his computer, but I asked for it, and he was like, "Oh yeah, here you go." <laughs> <laughs> nice. He didn't have Excite Truck though. Damn it. Um. So this question, I knew this would throw you off, and I was hoping that you you would kind of have Wario Land in in the back of your head. But once I asked you this question, it would mess you up a little bit. Yeah. So um, let me let me think about this. Now that I know that Wario Land is the correct answer. Yeah. So the the question again is, what first party Wii game has a similar mechanic to Wario Land for for Virtual well, Boy? As I understand it, Wario Land for Virtual Boy was pretty similar to the other games, but it had kind of a 3D effect going on with the Virtual Boy. But maybe I didn't play much of the game, so... Well, what do you mean by 3D effect? Uh, things would, like, swing in and out of, of you, if that makes any sense. Like, it would, like... Um, I think it, w- it would be more accurate to say that the game took place on two planes. One was close to the screen, okay. and one was farther okay, back. Okay, so I, I really played very little of the game. Like I said, it hurt my so eyes. So there were a lot of... There were a lot of ways of getting between those two different planes and interacting between the two planes. So I, I would say that Super Paper Mario is kind of like that. Yes, that's exactly it. That's that's what I was thinking of, yeah. Super Paper Mario, it's not a not a primary feature of, of Super Paper Mario, but there's there are a lot of parts in the game where you go down a little pipe or yeah. something, you end up way in the background and you're really tiny and you're jumping around, and that's actually very close to the way Wario Land for Virtual Boy did it, except it was a much bigger part mm-hmm. of the game for Wario. But yeah, I thought that was an interesting. I, I don't know if it was an intentional homage, but um, certainly a, an unexpected little characteristic that the two games share. Yeah, uh, Mario Land is, is regrettably a game I never played. Like I said, like Bloodworth actually has it, or at least he had it at one point. Maybe he doesn't. I like it. I think I've played through a fair portion of it. I had a friend who bought a Virtual Boy once it went on clearance. This was still a really long yeah. time ago. Um, I mean, it didn't take long for that thing to go on clearance, so it's relatively new, and I was like, oh, cool. And I played through a large portion of Wario Land. I really liked it, but yeah, my eyes were... I mean, one, it has to be one of the worst design systems ever. Just It is physically painful to play the virtual game. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I just like, you know what, I bet I'll like this game, but I just can't do it to myself. It doesn't help that my depth perception is slightly off. I, can, I can't really explain it, mm-hmm. but it's slightly off. And, um, and it does, things like this, things like 3D glasses that you put on and... Uh, I, my eyes just don't work with those. It, it just yeah. it looks a little off. Maybe that's the way it is for everyone. Most people can adjust to it. I can't really. It just doesn't feel comfortable for me. You know. Well, I think in Wario Land, the the 3D effect, the depth effect, is less important. Because um, clearly, Super Paper Mario shows that you can do essentially the same thing without crazy um, laser graphics <laughs> or whatever the hell Virtual Boy did. Um, it was more convincing and 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 for sure more interesting looking in Wario Land, but um, it wasn't a 3D game in the sense that, for instance, uh, tennis was. Mm. Right. Mario Tennis on Virtual Boy is actually a 3D game. You're actually moving in and out of the plane. Um, very impressive for the time, and actually the tennis seems like kind of a lame thing to include with the system. Well, I did at the time. I guess now with after Wii Sports, it seems obvious, but. Um, the tennis was actually really hmm. fun. I like that a lot. Yeah, but Wario to me was kind of the killer app for Virtual Boy. If, well. I think 
One, could be one of the thing. many problems with Virtual Boy is that you can't share the experience. Someone can watch it and say, oh, that looks fun. Or anything like, like, even right. like the Game Boys, you can like say, hey, here, check this out. Look, I'm playing and I'm showing you my screen, more or less. You know, uh, you, you just can't do that. It's just you putting your head against this giant hulk of, of plastic. And uh, I mean, like Bloodworth had to put it on his couch to make it comfortable. So you're like lying down or like putting your face into the couch. I mean, yeah, that looks really fun. You know, so it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's really it's the opposite of yeah. portable. It's funny that they called it Virtual Boy because it has nothing to do with Game Boy. I mean, technically it is portable. It will run on batteries, which is the most <laughs> ludicrous thing I've ever heard of because there's you have to have like some kind of table or something to put this on to play it. You certainly couldn't play it in the car. I don't see no. how. But uh, Anyway, enough about that. I'm very impressed that you got I'm it. I'm feeling more confident really in myself now. This is great. Thanks, Johnny. Yeah. And just a note about the third song, this was not selected by a reader this week. Ah, it was all yeah. me. So all five of these games were, were my choices. Still sending your requests, though, for the future. Absolutely. Yeah. smattering of ideas, but yeah, I don't think I've played this game. It's pretty creepy, huh? Yep. Uh, 
Now, let me mess you up. I'm almost positive that you've played this game. Alright. Mm-hmm. That's a hint. similar to the first one, which makes me lean in one direction. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. Alright. I think it was I think it was considerably different. I don't know. Eh. I tried not to pick any, any, you know, mundane repeats. Sure. Help me out, please. Sure. What other N64 games did this developer create? Aha! Hmm. Did you think this was for N64? I was going back and forth. And and yeah. uh, first I thought it was on 64. It's either early GameCube or, or quality on 64. So I, mm-hmm. I think I might know what game this is now. But we'll, I'll let you know later. Okay.
Okay, so when I thought it was in CC4 at the first, at first, I, I had a sneaking, sinking suspicion that it was a game you've used in the past, just based on your personal preferences. Um, then I thought it was Star, uh, Star Wars game, perhaps Rogue Leader Two or Org Squadron Rogue Leader. But now I'm going to go back and say it's Space Station Silicon Valley. <laughs> Uh, you know, you you should have listened to your second instinct. Uh, let me guess. It's one of the N64s. Uh... It's Rogue Squadron. Yeah. <laughs> well, I gotta say, I was, Star Wars I was in the Squadron. right ballpark, though. You were. And the reason I thought this would be interesting to play is that for the original Rogue Squadron, LucasArts didn't really allow Factor Five, who's the developer, to use any of the original Star Wars music. Hmm. Um, and so... The challenge for the composers, and there's some amazing composers, amazing musicians at Factor 5, and and the challenge for them was to create an original soundtrack that sounded like Star Wars without actually violating any of the copyrights. Um, And I think, and and I listened to quite a few songs actually from the soundtrack before choosing these, and some of them I deliberately avoided because they sounded so much like (laughs) Star Wars. Wow. So I think they they succeeded incredibly. but uh, obviously, in Rogue, by the time they got to Rogue Leader, Lucas was allowing them to use video clips <laughs> and original music and right. everything. So, so, so I didn't um, get that one. I, I was close. Um, I, yeah, I know Factor close. Five made more than one uh, Star Wars game for, didn't they? I mean, Battle for Naboo or something. Wasn't that also? Battle for Naboo yeah. is the other uh, Star Wars game, and they made one more in '64. Yeah. I doubt they made Shadows of the Empire. Um, no. That was Lucas yeah. internally, I believe. Um, what else did they make? I can't think of anything. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a big enough it's, Factor Five. Fan. It's not a well-known game. It's. Uh, it's actually Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine. <sighs> I should have guessed that just to be just because. And. Uh, it's another Lucas game, you know, but. Uh, but I didn't, so I don't get that point. Yeah. But. Um, <laughs> I thought we were keeping score. Now, Lucas, I believe, developed the PC version themselves. Um, but uh, Factor 5 ported ported it from PC to N64. And some of the technology in that game was very impressive. Um, but overall, the game was kind of bad. I, I think this is a cue for me to bring up my very first experience at uh, Planet GameCube, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that my very yeah. first uh, thing I did was I interviewed Hal Barwood, uh, who he was at Lucas Arts, right? Yes. And I believe he was director of, of Infernal Machine. Oh, was he really? I believe so. Ouch. Yes. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I I don't know if that was intentional as as a as a poke, or you didn't realize that, but that's that's a very short little story. Yeah. I remember playing Infernal Machine at probably my first ever E3 back in 2000. Because that, that's the last year that I probably would have really played an N64 game anyway. So yeah, yeah it must have been 2000. And um, it was my first experience with an E3 demo crashing incessantly. Like I tried <laughs> to play this demo three or four times and it crashed in exactly the same place every time. And it, I just remember it, would not it, had be the a, last. it had a beautiful load screen. <laughs> um. But uh, I never could really play much of the game. But yeah, it, it wasn't that good anyway. Uh, well, what do you so, know? So yeah. 
Factor Five, they actually made three Nintendo 64 games. They made one. No, they made two GameCube games, both uh, Rogue Leader Two and Rogue Leader Three. And uh, then they made one PS3 game. So that is their history for the past oh ten years. Yeah, wow. 10 years. Well, don't for, don't forget that they've done a lot of like middleware and and tools as well. Like you they know, did. They did yes. The they created the stuff. Musics engine for N64, which is why that music sounded so good there, even though it was for 64. And then they created an upgraded version of that for GameCube that was actually included in the in the um, standard developer tools. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing something for Wii. We don't know what. I thought they were saying how they didn't like Wii because it wasn't uh, technical, you know, technology savvy or whatever. Yeah, Said so we'll never use it. They were being it. paid by Sony at that point. Oh, okay. now they're not. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Supposedly now they have some kind of weird downgrade version of the Lair engine running on Wii, and uh, they want to uh, make a game that involves using the pointer function of the Wii remote instead of gestural controls, which I think sounds like a good idea after what I read about Lair and its gestural controls. Huh. And um, and they are basically on the record as saying they will have the best-looking Wii game. Because they think I'd other developers are, are completely lazy when it comes to Wii graphics. And yeah, I Absolutely. Mean, if you look at what they did with N64 and GameCube, yeah. I, you know, it's very likely that whatever they create will, in, will five years from now still be considered the best-looking Wii game. <laughs> Because that's just what they do. Yeah, the only only two companies that even come close are like Capcom, at least with like Resident Evil, they actually made an effort. That's for, true with and, four. And yeah. uh, Nintendo did some pretty pretty good stuff. But other than that, no one else really tried hard with the GameCube, and certainly not with the Wii. If anything, they're right. they're getting even sloppier with the Wii. Yeah. Um, it's because they realize, oh, these people haven't played games before. They don't know what good graphics look like, so we don't need to make them. <laughs> well, there's something to look forward to, and you know, I don't know exactly how the licensing would work. Nintendo did publish Rogue Squadron, but of course LucasArts has a, a hand in it. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have to approve, but I would absolutely love for that game to be released on Virtual Console. It, I mean, it is a brilliant piece of work. Battle for Naboo is not as good. It has a lot of ground vehicle stuff that's not as much fun. But, uh, yeah. Rogue Squadron is really, really awesome stuff. So, anyway, um, let's move on to game four. Going to give away the game, 
because it's only the first song. Yeah. But I'm, I'm you know amused it? that, one, you chose this song as the first song, and yeah. two, I'm glad you chose this game because I've intentionally been avoiding it because I used another song from this game as a closer in one of the earlier Radio Trivia episodes. Oh, so yeah. uh, there we go. And uh, Happy to serve. Uh, I'm glad that we're sharing this experience also, which we'll discuss later. <laughs> Whoa, that was ethereal. Let's let's just go on, please. Touche, touche. I have done the very same thing to at least someone else who was co-hosting. What do you mean? <laughs> With this exact song. Oh. <laughs> nice. What did I do to you? It's just it's noisy and painful. I, I like it. I like it's it really too, strange, but, it, but it's you know? it's also painful if it's too loud. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's not kickle cubicle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what's the. <laughs> Especially when you play it with your remix version. Oh, yeah. Well, the remix version is just hitting play over and over again at different. at unexpected times in the song. Yes. <laughs> Alright, what's the question? Qu- oh, my God. Yeah, just wait, just wait, man. You can hide anything in an MP3. <laughs> Alright. It's like the cloud hanging over your head. You never know when it's going to strike. I suppose. <laughs> Oh dear, mercy, mercy! Oh, you want a question? I want a question. Oh yeah. What power up from this game was not in the sequel? consider the mm-hmm. first song to be the most memorable in my opinion, but 2 and 3 definitely sound more like M- M- Metroid. So, um... Yeah. This is Metroid 2 The Return of Samus for the Game Boy. And, it is. uh... Yeah. Well, I actually purchased this game... Okay, so... Well, actually, let me back up here. 
Um, I did not like Metroid when I played it a long time ago. Um, I played the original mm-hmm. NES Metroid, and I think others have shared my experience of it being interesting, but too frustrating and obscure. Yeah. And um, I played uh, Metroid... That's why they did Zero Mission. Well, um, Metroid Fusion was the first Metroid game I seriously played. I think I played a little bit of Super Metroid, but at that point I, I didn't appreciate it. I, I gave up. I'm like, eh, I, don't, I didn't like NES Metroid. I'm not going to like this. But uh, I really love Fusion, even though it's actually not really the best Metroid out there. Um, no. And so it's then, good, I, yeah. So then I went back and I I, uh, I played Metroid One. I actually kind of liked it then because I was a better gamer at that point. Um, and then I played Metroid Two. Now I purchased Metroid Two from our former Australian correspondent Ben Cosmina, <laughs> and uh, I told him to sh- good old Ben. I I told him to ship it the uh, easiest way possible or the cheapest way possible. And it turns out that was by boat. And I received it six months after she shipped it. I figured it was just lost in the mail. One day it arrives. Like, oh, awesome. I'm just lucky Like, I was still living in the same place at college when I received this game. Yeah, really. Um, and I really liked it. It's, it's different from the other Metroid games. Um, it's extremely linear in, in terms of... I mean, the, the way you progress through the game is that you kill all the Metroids in one area. Which which is a little asinine, mm-hmm. but um, well, it, it it it's actually similar to Fusion in that it opens up a fairly small mm-hmm. area and you can explore that area freely, but there's not that much to find in it. Was there not that I mean? much in terms of power ups, in terms of backtracking, or is it kind of downplayed the power ups? I mean, like extra missiles and stuff. There's no there's not really any backtracking in Metroid Two, but there are power ups. There are things that you have to get to be able to progress. Right, like a spider for ball, sure. which I think is the answer to the question, right? That is the answer to the question. The spider ball is the there were a lot of power ups introduced in Metroid Two that that you couldn't even imagine them being in the first Metroid right. game. Although, well, some of them actually were put into Zero Mission. But, uh, yeah, there were a lot of really cool power-ups, like the space jump and um, um, the spacer beam and the plasma beam and the spring ball. And all of those made it into Super Metroid, also known as Metroid 3. Um, if you watch the intro, they actually call it Metroid 3. There's a spring 3. ball? And, Metroid uh, 3? There is a spring I don't ball. That. Spring ball is completely optional in Super Metroid. Okay. Maybe that's why the first time I, I only played through it once, and I don't remember the spring ball. Yeah. But I'm slowly playing through it on Virtual yeah. Console, so. Yeah. yeah, the spring ball is in the game, but it's completely optional. But it's it's handy. Um, it makes a lot of the little tunnel mm. mazes a lot easier to do. And I always wish they would put it in the Prime games, they but they sort of did. And they didn't tell you to use it though. The so little, I discovered it three fourths of the yeah, way the through. Yeah, the little wiggle. Yeah, the I discovered thing. it three fourths of the way through the game, and then I was very angry because right. they didn't tell me about it. Anyone who's played the Prime games right. kind of tr- takes it for granted that it's kind of the same thing. They didn't. I mean, I didn't even think to try it. I'm like, okay, bomb jump, and I did a couple of really hard bomb jump puzzles where I didn't need to bomb jump that well, you know. And so I'm like, uh, oh well. But uh, anyway, the Spider Ball is the only power up that was introduced in Metroid Two that is not found in Super Metroid, and in fact, uh, it's not in, in um, Fusion. Or in uh, Zero Mission either. Spider Ball didn't reappear until Metroid Prime, and it's really it really functions much differently in the Prime games because they have these tracks and those are the only places you can use it. But in Metroid Two, you can use a Spider Ball on any surface in the game. Right. And 
it's very tempting, I think, once you get it to start ex- to start traveling along the ceiling of every cavern and checking every single wall and bombing all over the place to try right. to find secret tunnels in obscure places. And it's very time-consuming to do that, and it's not really rewarding because the game just isn't really designed for that. It's, you know... But it, it's a really cool power, and um, actually Metroid 2 is really the only place where you can see it in its original form like that. Hmm. It's pretty interesting. Well, I think that's kind of flawed because, like you said, uh, anyway, you, you can. It tempts you to bomb every single location. It's, it almost breaks the game. Yeah, it almost breaks the game, and the only reason it doesn't is that they built the game so that it wouldn't break it. But that also means that there's not really very much stuff to find with it. I mean, there are certain places where it's nice to have, but um, yeah, Metroid Two, because of the linear nature, doesn't have as many secrets as the other ones do. Um, and that's why the spider ball isn't as useful. Well, Fusion has a lot of secrets, but uh, you'll never find them all in your, on your first playthrough because you can't backtrack. Right. Um, yeah, Fusion is really hard to yeah. explore. But anyway, Metroid 2 is a, is a really cool game. Um, I think it's probably the best game on Game Boy. Ooh. I really do. Oh, you mean original Game Boy? Uh, I do. Or Game Boy Color as yeah. well? or On the original Game Boy. Oh, I don't know. Link to, Link's Awakening is pretty darn good in my opinion. It is. That is good. But, I mean, Metroid 2 is way up there. And it's funny because you think about an NES game getting a sequel on Game Boy, and you feel like you, you got to think that's probably like a downgrading right. graphics. But actually, in the case of Metroid, Metroid 2, even though it's black and white and on this tiny screen, it looks fantastically better than the original Metroid. Sure. The, uh, the character model for Samus is so detailed, and the animation is so fluid, it's honestly just kind of jarring to look at it. It's like, if this game were in color, it would look, it would still look good by today's standards. And, uh, it's... I, I really I really wish they would remake it like they did Zero Mission, because I think it deserves that. It doesn't need it as bad as the original yeah. Metroid did, but, um, just to get out to a wider audience and to get a new code. Yeah, paint, I, I guess you could see that. I'd, I'd kind of rather see a new 2D Metroid game, but, but I mean... I, I would, too. That would be I mean, my first choice. The structure, like the linear progression of it is interesting, but it's not a Metroid game, in my opinion. Like, the progression style. Um, well, it's... I liked it. I don't know if that's it's... That's an argument you can it make. It feels less than like a Metroid yeah. game to me. But, I mean, if you play it, I, I think one of the biggest problems, that, if I remember correctly, is that Samus's model is pretty big, and since Game Boy has a pretty small screen, um, that's yes. one yeah. shortcoming of the, of the game. Yeah, but, I mean, putting that on... on you remade it for DS, now the screen is like almost twice sure. as wide as the Game Boy screen. So if you keep the same proportions, you can see so much more of the area around you, and um, and the game would just play much Yeah, I could, I could see an extended remake. I mean, one of the interesting things about Metroid 2 is that it puts a lot more emphasis into like battles, kind of like the Prime games, where, where you have kind of like mm-hmm. mini-boss battles or whatever, where you really got to focus and fight a, a larger enemy. And there isn't so much of that in the regu- in the traditional 2D Metroid style. Um, right. So I, I could see that working. It, well, it, anyway, Metroid 2 is a highly influential game and one that I think a lot of people are, have heard of but have never mm-hmm. actually played. And, um, again, I, I really think it's one of the most beautiful black-and-white games ever made. Probably a fair statement. In fact, I, I think that's pretty easy to claim, actually. I can't think of anything that looks better in black and white than Metroid uh, 2. That was originally designed to be black and white, you know. I don't know. I have to think about that. There's some 
There's some good looking Game Boy games. Wario 2, yeah, Wario I, Land I 2, or 3. Um, let's move on to the fifth game. the second game or second song of the last game eh? well wait, do you have any ideas yet? yes okay. wow okay I, I think I've played uh, enough of this game to recognize the instrumentation
interesting song choice there. Thank you. What controversial and convoluted feature was removed from this game before it was released? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> question is is the uh, face mapping feature with the Game Boy camera yeah. and uh, the game I did not remember the second song um, it's in there but it's most certainly Goldeneye oh snap Goldeneye oh is it perfect it's dark it's perfect dark no wonder I I didn't recognize this <laughs> I, I despised perfect dark really? so uh, yeah wow I guess that makes I was thinking this sounds a little more sci-fi than I remembered yeah so yeah, and there's definitely the face mapping thing was was way after Goldeneye. Okay, so I'm muddling the two, so yeah. uh, I, I fail, but I'm almost there. I, I got the question answered. <laughs> yeah, no, that's ironically, strange. but uh, but um, yeah, I was sure it was Goldeneye on the first song. This is the sequel so, to Goldeneye, Perfect Dark, and um, yeah, th- this face mapping feature, really interesting little story. They showed, they actually showed this at E399. It was the year before I started going, and um, the they they showed this at E3, and you could like go to the demo and at Nintendo's booth and get them to take a picture of you with the Game Boy camera, and then plug the Game Boy camera itself into the transfer pack, right for the N64, which was this crazy looking thing that plugged into your controller, and you could plug a Game Boy game into it. It's essentially made to transfer Pokemon from a Game Boy game to Pokemon Stadium. And it had very few uses other than that. But uh, Rare was really pushing the, this hardware quite a bit. So the idea was that you use the Game Boy camera to take a picture of your face. You transferred that picture through the transfer pack to Perfect Dark. And then you could there was a utility in Perfect Dark that let you stretch that picture around a character model. And, uh, and then you could do a little Photoshopping on it and color correction and things like that. So you could make an, a, a character in the game that actually had your real face on it. This, in 1999, this was a pretty spectacular idea. And especially for the N64, because it just didn't have this kind of capability at all built into it. And it's the kind of thing that 
even if they had left it in the game, I don't think many people would have used it because it required two different, totally unrelated, obscure pieces of hardware. Mm-hmm. No, you had to have a Game Boy camera, and you had to have the transfer pack, which, and except for that game, was used for Pokemon and, and some pretty shoddy uh, Mario Golf and Mario Tennis, or maybe just Mario Tennis transfers. Yeah, and actually, it w- the transfer pack was supported by Perfect Dark in the end because there was a Game Boy version of Perfect Dark as well, <laughs> and you could plug it in there and unlock certain features in the Game Boy game, I think. Oh wow! Um, by connecting that, that was a good that was a good idea on the GameCube Game Boy Advance as well, yeah, which was exactly. heavily used. Exactly. Uh, so, well, I, I feel stupid for saying Goldeneye instead of Perfect Dark because I should have known better. Cause, cause <laughs> well, of they the obviously times, sound times. a lot alike. They had some of the, yeah. a lot of the same people working on them. But, yeah, well, uh, just the time. I, I knew the answer to the question, so if I thought about it some more, yeah. I would have realized that Goldeneye couldn't have had that feature in well, it. But um, just, to, just to finish up about the face mapping, as you might guess, they took it out about the time of Columbine, mm-hmm. which was in ni- late 99. Um, and they didn't want people taking pictures of their teachers and classmates and importing them all into this game and creating crazy skirmish maps where they could run around and pretend that they're in school and shoot all these people. Um, I thought that was fairly ridiculous, um, but certainly it would have been bad PR. You know, right. If you look at the at the Mass Effect um, sex box scandal <laughs> and the way people are blowing that totally out of proportion and going crazy over it. This would have been much worse, honestly. Yeah, well, like people were like, weren't there new stories about Picto Chat? I mean, it's like, oh yeah, like you, like, like, um, like, you know, strangers could use Picto Chat to uh, to lure your children yeah, to the like, playground what? and stuff. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's all. I mean, there there are always these sensationalist stories that are totally ridiculous. But this one, you know, I would have loved to do this. I think it would have been awesome. And actually. As you play through Perfect Dark, you can actually see remnants of this because they were, at the time, taking pictures of people like Matt Kasmus yeah, and yeah, Perry yeah, yeah, Schneider yeah. and Miyamoto and people like that. And those people's faces actually ended up in the game as just part of the game, even though the feature was eventually taken out for the end user. But yeah, you can go through, uh, you know, if you if you can hunt down a copy of Perfect Dark and for some reason you have an unreasonable hatred for Matt Kasmusina... You can you can go through there, and there are certain levels where his enemy, the enemy with his face, actually comes up quite a lot. You can run around and shoot him in the face if you want to. And the same goes for Miyamoto. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to shoot him, but yeah, it's 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 just really cool. Uh, it's a cool feature, and unfortunately, it, you know, the rest of us didn't get to use it. Yeah, well, you know, Perfect Dark's inferior to Goldeneye anyway, so <laughs> I don't know. I... I mean, the more features you add, the less balanced the game became. I, I think the Goldeneye had a nice set of, of weapons, and when I played Perfect Dark, it was just like the secondary weapon modes and, and the extra levels and stuff. I, I just couldn't get into it. I just went, I went back to the Goldeneye. Even if you set the... I know you can like set a mode where the guns are pretty much the same as, as what you would find in Goldeneye, but it, it still didn't do it for me. Really? And the, fr- and the frame rate wasn't so hot either for Perfect Dark. It was horrific. I mean, it was pretty bad in Goldeneye. It was even worse in Perfect uh, it was Dark. Per- worse in Perfect Dark, yeah. I think in the, the multiplayer, from what I played of it, I really enjoyed it in Perfect Dark. But without the Goldeneye name and you know, without that recognition, I, it was harder for me to get people to play it. Mm. Um, and uh, which is strange because it even has some of the same maps. You know, like Facility became Felicity. Right. And, 
things like that. There's um, subtle differences in them. I mean, I, mean, I think those threw me off. Very so, subtle. So, so I, was, I was used to Goldeneye. I would say subtle so improvements. Oh, okay. Yeah, the the levels are a little bit improved. Um, but, uh, like, I think in Perfect Dark, there was a way to crawl back up into the air conditioning mm. duct in the bathroom of the facility. Yeah. Um, there, were, there were a lot of neat little things like that, and... Um, yeah, unfortunately, Perfect Dark just didn't sell very well, and not many people played it, and so the multiplayer scene never took off, like it did with Goldeneye. But well, they seem to think it's, there was it's an awesome game. They seem to think there was something to Perfect Dark though, because they made a sequel for many years later after plenty of delays. That didn't sell so hot either. Yeah, I know. I thought that was a bizarre choice, really. That especially the way they did it, making it a prequel. I mean, I think making a prequel for anything sort of implies that there are people who care so much about the backstory, right? That they want to they want to look even deeper back into these characters' histories, and that is not the case for Perfect Dark. And the story was by far the weakest part of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the reason anyone played it was for the story. So, going with a prequel, I thought was a strange, strange decision. Yeah. Anyway. So I got that's perfect. Dari has cool music. I mean, obviously, that's that was some pretty impressive music sure. for N sixty four. So let's see. How did I do, Johnny? I got I got three out of five games correct, and mm-hmm. I got a couple of uh, trivia questions correct as well. I think was it two or three? Well, you got Super Paper Mario. Uh huh. Um, you got half of the Factor Five question. You got the Spider Ball question, yeah. and. Oddly enough, you got the perfect dark face mapping <laughs> question, even though you didn't get the game right. Yeah. So you did pretty well on both fronts. I yeah. well, I, I, I'm glad to think I can uh, I can hold my own in this game because uh, <laughs> I usually think of myself as being pretty bad when I'm on the other end. But yeah. uh, you're better than me by far. Well, what can I say? I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to a lot more game music than yeah, I do. Well, you know, just organizing this this helps me too because you know I'm. I'm selecting games all the time, and sure. and you know sometimes I'll listen to songs and I'll say yeah, I know I want to play something else. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think you did a good job of avoiding games that I've used for podcast edition, though. Um, thanks. I mean, I've listened to all of them. That doesn't mean I remember right. every single game that you chose, but I have listened to all of them. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully, I did put some thought into it, and um, I have to say, I mean, putting putting this together. Even though there were a couple of things I had to do that you normally don't have to do, <laughs> it, it definitely gave me an appreciation for just how insane the amount of work that and preparation sure. that goes into it. At, at least if you want to do a good job of it, and if you want to half-ass it, which I've done many <laughs> times in the past, you can spend half an hour, but uh, it, it's more like an hour or two hours Absolutely. of preparation just to make a good show. And then another to record it. Absolutely. And... Uh... And I guess we, we, a lot more to edit we didn't it. mention this, maybe because we already said it on uh, Radio Free Nintendo, but we actually had a chance to play Goldeneye with each other. Um, yeah. And uh, on a big screen, no less, and it was a lot of fun. We did, well, we didn't really play with each other at the same uh, time. Okay, fair enough. We were, we were hot-seating. We were taking turns slaughtering <laughs> all the other people. And it came back very quickly. <laughs> it, it was surprising how quickly, especially since they chose uh, yeah. maps that I, I, was, I liked. I mean, there's a couple of maps mm-hmm. I usually avoid in Goldeneye, but... Uh, it was fun, and uh, I really would like to see a re-release of this game, but uh, yeah. I don't think it's to be. Dust off your N64s. I, I would rather play Perfect Dark, and to me, to me, re-releasing Perfect Dark with a couple of enhancements is so much more likely than Goldeneye because you don't have to deal with all the weird MGM yeah. um, or Universal, whatever it is, all those weird movie licensing things, um, and you know, 
Rare, it's basically Rare's prerogative whether to do it because they self-publish Perfect Dark, which means that now Microsoft owns the rights, and Microsoft has an interest in releasing the original Perfect Dark because they've chosen to continue the brand. Um, I mean, it, it's much more likely that Perfect Dark would come out on Xbox in some sense, not Virtual Console, but I think eventually something's going to happen. Well, you know, if they if they put Marathon on Xbox Live Arcade, they should do Perfect Dark. Yeah, the problem is they're probably, you know, the name brand recognition just isn't there compared to Goldeneye. I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, is that everyone knows 007, they played that on the N64, Perfect Dark was... Perfect Dark flopped on the on the 360. The the Perfect Dark Zero flopped. Yeah, I think for a live arcade thing, it's fine. Really, I mean, throw a demo on there, um, especially a multiplayer demo, and it, you know, give it online multiplayer, and make it ten or fifteen bucks, and people will eat that up. I think it'll do. Yeah, really I can well. see that. It's. I mean, it's perfectly suited to the audience. Well, uh, I think that, that's our show, so. isn't it? Um, yeah. I'll link you for hosting and and selecting games. It was a lot of fun. No problem. And uh, it was a fun change of pace for me, and wouldn't mind doing it again sometime. But um, not for a while. <laughs> well, you know, J- John. Not until I can get excited truck. <laughs> well, you mean F truck, but um, John. Yeah. Johnny has a history of technical issues when hosting radio trivia. I'm actually kind of happy to see the tradition carry on with uh, this episode of Radio <laughs> Trivia Podcast Edition because. Just I mean, I, I, you know, it's always something to do with Live 365, you know, and um, I'm glad to see you found another way to have technical difficulties when preparing for <laughs> radio trivia. So, I know. but this time we got a workaround, and that worked pretty well. So, yeah, I think so. Uh, remember to send in your uh, trivia requests. I know there are a couple that are in my inbox still. In fact, one that I think two people requested, but um, I'm still listening. Ooh, that's a quorum. Yeah, I should I should use it. But, uh, maybe I will next episode. Ooh. So send your stuff. Enjoy listening to uh, Radio Free Nintendo. If you don't listen to that, it's hard to believe. If you don't, if you listen to this podcast and not Radio Free Nintendo, I'm shocked. But um, if not, yeah, you should still listen so, to it anyway. Because um, Johnny's our host, right? He's 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 in charge of the thing now. Unlike those freaking yeah. pirates. Um, or is that long gone? I guess. Yeah. It's it's we're we're now it, the show's now run by ah. ninjas. That's better. Yeah. Ninjas are cooler than pirates. <laughs> pirates are pirates are too yeah, too we, popular. They're 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 too mainstream. I mean, a freaking movie has yeah. ruined pirates for everyone. Yeah, we're having a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, I, I I'm with you. I really doubt that that anyone listens to this show and doesn't listen actively to Radio Free Nintendo. But in case you are one of those people, check it out. Um, you've probably heard an older episode of RFN and maybe you didn't like it for whatever reason but it's probably much different now than you remember so give it another shot you will like it we have a good time you will like it I have to get to Mars I have to get to Mars I am the governor of California (laughs) you don't sound anything like Schwarzenegger but you sound exactly like the guy on Conan O'Brien who does Schwarzenegger (laughs) yeah that's exactly what I can impersonate which that's Robert Smigel, isn't it? Know. The guy from Triumph, probably, yeah. And uh, and all the cartoons on Saturday. Yeah, it's Night true. Live. I think it's I think it's Robert Smigel who does those voices. That, that's awesome, dude. You sound that exactly is what I'm impersonating. Like it. it's, it's funny. I I, imper- I don't. It's kind of like the um, impersonations of like George Bush or George Bush Senior. It's like 
Yeah. What was it like David Carvey who did those for Saturday Night Live? And it's like yeah. that's what people think of when they think of George Bush, not the actual George Bush. Yeah, he didn't really talk anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> right. But somehow the American public now associates not gonna do it with uh with George you know? It was more like Nagada. <laughs> He got to the point yeah, where he didn't I, even pronounce it anymore. It was more like baby talk. Nagada. Uh, well, yeah. fun stuff. All right, with that, let's go. Bye. Yeah, we're totally rambling now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Good luck. Punch-Out! is copyright 1987-1919 Nintendo. Mario Land on Virtual Boy is copyright 1995 Nintendo. Star Wars Rogue Squadron is copyright 1998 Factor 5 LucasArts. Metroid 2 Return of Samus is copyright 1991 Nintendo. Perfect Dark is copyright 2000 Rare.